Welcome to Worship with the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia, brought to you at a time when we join you in practicing social distancing to curb the pandemic virus. This sermon podcast is from our online virtual worship service that you can find through our website at opmh.org. We pray that in the not-too-distant future we will welcome you in person when you visit us in Old Town, Alexandria. Good morning, and welcome to this online worship service with the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia. Wherever you are, we are glad that you are with us today as we worship God and seek God's will for our lives. The Lord be with you. Let us worship God together. Thank you. 
Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sold into his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nest in its branches. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And on finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that is thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. And when it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of the fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all of this? And the disciples answered, Yes. And Jesus said to them, Therefore every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a household who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading and our hearing of this God's word. Will you pray with me? O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Have you understood all this? Jesus asks. They answered, yes. Really? After three weeks in Matthew's gospel, wrestling with Jesus' parables about sowers and soil, weeds and wheat, seeds and salvation, do we understand? Sometimes it's hard to know where to begin understanding, meaning-making. When I'm stuck, whether it's sermon writing or resolving to take action, I begin with prayer, like, Be thou my vision, or be still and know that I am God. How can we just be still, you cry? With a deadly pandemic raging all around us? With our country as divided as it's ever been? With people everywhere taking to the streets to protest the deaths of so many of our black and brown neighbors at the hands of those charged with protecting us? Yes, I find the act of prayer, engaging in contemplation, prepares us, stills us, strengthens us to go out and take action. It's a small step, 
a tiny thing. At our recent biannual General Assembly, for the first time ever convened on Zoom, the gathering body asked congregations and presbyteries to reflect on this poem, offered there for meditation. A knee on a neck, laying bare for all to see the evil of callous, soulless, entitled power, choking the life from God's beloved, just because we know what must change. Will we, church? We have written many true, significant, sometimes even sincere words. We have confessed, Belhar, Confession 67, Barman, enough words, never enough witness. We know we must change. Will we, church? Kairos. Amen to that. We know we must change. Kairos is the Greek word for a right, opportune, or critical moment in time. The ancient Greek world had two expressions of time, chronos, the chronological, sequential sense of time we're familiar with, and kairos, which is a time for action. Jesus talks about both in this passage from Matthew. So often we're focused on the tiny mustard seed as an image for a seed of faith that can blossom into who knows what. But Jesus tells us what. It grows into a huge tree, a home for birds and creatures. Same with the everyday yeast used by an everyday woman. It activates the other ingredients to make bread that nourishes the bread of life, bread of heaven. Commentator Jill Duffield writes, notice these are not neat, tidy snapshots, but rich, complex metaphors, themes such as transformative smallness, impacting hiddenness, joyous surprise, exponential growth and persistent effort emerge from these images. Mustard seeds get planted and tended. Yeast gets added to other ingredients. There is kneading and also waiting. Treasure must get dug up, unearthed, and recognized as something of worth. Nets must be cast repeatedly, hauled up over and over again, their contents made ready for consumption. The good, life-giving end does not come without energy, patience, and days of no or very mixed results. All things work together for good, and this is God's ultimate doing. But we are gifted with the responsibility to participate in that good's emergence. I love her use of the word emergence. We know God's realm is all around us in the seeds and yeast and hidden treasure and fishing nets, but it is our participation, our repeated action that enables God's vision to emerge. It's sort of like doing the jigsaw puzzles or quilting so many of you have taken up while staying at home, where each tiny piece comes together until the big picture emerges. 
The image you're looking at on your screens is of the Melrose quilt at the Smithsonian, created by Clementine Hunter, who was born on a Louisiana plantation where her grandparents had been slaves. At 12, her family moved to Melrose Plantation to work as sharecroppers. When the plantation was later remade as a retreat for visiting artists, Hunter borrowed leftover paints and fashioned the quotidian stories she felt were overlooked by historians, namely the activities of black workers. She also made pictorial quilts like this one, depicting her homestead, the big house, yucca house, African house, the buildings, the tools of work done by her family back to slavery, the pieces of fabric from different parts of and people in her life come together to create a big picture, both of her home, but also her world and family legacy and history. Its beauty and artistry are on display for all to bear witness to to remember the everyday lives of so many ancestors, enslaved through laws, then practices and traditions, finding hope and even joy in small everyday things on her homestead. In a recent New York Times article, America's Enduring Racial Caste System, Isabel Wilkerson invokes the image of America as an old house as an analogy as to how to respond to the historic systemic racism we are living in. We may not be the original builders or owners of this century's old homestead, but we are the current occupants. And when the ceiling is buckling in a worrisome way, now deemed dangerous or even catastrophic by the engineers brought in to inspect, we have the option of some paint and a prayer it won't get worse, or to pull out the drywall down to the studs and re-fortify, to rebuild this old house so that it can continue to be our home, safe for all its inhabitants for centuries to come. Isn't that what God wants? Where is God's home if not in us, in our lives, in our pain and joy? Barbara Brown Taylor writes, Last Sunday I passed a little country church with a sign out front that said, Come on in, God has been waiting for you here. It's hard to think of anyone who believes that anymore, she continues. If God is waiting anywhere, God is waiting everywhere. Indeed. God waits in the streets, arm in arm with the self-proclaimed wall of moms in Portland, Oregon, defending their children, their city, their homes against unidentified federal border patrol troops snatching peaceful protesters off their streets. God waits in the halls of Congress for leaders to do the right thing, to acknowledge all American lives cannot matter until black lives matter. God waits at home to wrap loving arms of courage and comfort around every young black and brown child sitting down with their parent or grandparent for the talk about how to behave when encountering white people or the police in order to just get home safely 
God waits everywhere for us all to get home safely in God's kingdom. These parables Jesus tells are about farmers, homemakers, fishermen, us, reinforcing what we believe about the Incarnation. There's a mysterious meeting of human and divine, ordinary, everyday, and extraordinary sacrament. Jesus didn't focus on himself, his divinity incarnated, but on us, on the world around him. The kingdom of heaven is like the most common, ordinary, tiny things. Good things come in small packages, they say. God's abundance comes from and is found in the smallest things, including steps towards healing and wholeness, peacemaking and meaning-making. Believe it. When we're overwhelmed by the news of the world, believe it. Sweeping changes can come seemingly overnight in Kairos time, but they just as often do in the steady, ongoing work of responding as safely as scientists know how to a deadly worldwide pandemic, and in the daily, accelerating work of dismantling racism in our country, across the world, and deep in each of our hearts. The deaths last week of two civil rights icons, Reverend C.T. Vivian and Representative John Lewis, remind us that each of us is called to follow in Jesus' footsteps in small movements or dramatic bounds, and that history marches on right alongside hope. It must, we must, as Christians, following Christ's own ministry, which was prayerful and contemplative at times, but usually in preparation or in response to his own preaching and teaching of thousands, and just as often literally turning the tables over on the powerful, even in the temple, believed to be God's home. Jesus said over and over, God is in the world, in the streets, in the everyday, and in our hearts, filling us with compassion, urging us to walk in others' sandals, as he did. No matter how overwhelming that can feel. We do not all need to be John Lewis, or Nelson Mandela, or Rosa Parks, or Yolanda Renee King. God has created each of us in God's image, and it may take a lifetime of small steps, everyday action, to bring about change. Do not get lost in a sea of despair, Lewis said. Be hopeful. Be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never, ever be afraid to make some noise, he said, and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. He accomplished a lot of change in his lifetime, but probably not as much as he'd wanted. So we pick up the mantle. It may be a small step, 
a tiny thing. But Springfield's Robert E. Lee High School is being renamed after John R. Lewis. Jesus asked, Have you understood all this? Yes? Yes. Yes. Amen.